Oh, yeah. I'm so yeah. glad they finally get it out of the way. They can all stop being fucking ninnies about it. <laughs> God damn. They are the most self-loathing, unconfident, <laughs> absolutely sure things are all, everybody's out to get them, bunch of people I've ever met in my life. They're insane. <laughs> Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to the return of the proper third degree of the podcast. Hi, my name is Peter. It's wonderful to be back with my two good friends. First, Dan Crook. Dan, at the bottom of the championship, Luton Town, can you guys pull it out and save your season? Uh, only if the rest of the league comes down with COVID, which... <laughs> With uh, with social distancing in the UK is entirely possible. I was I'm only I only know that you guys are going to get relegated if Watford also gets relegated because there's just no chance we could ever enjoy a Luton Town Watford doubleheader in the next season in the Championship. Is there? Uh, I mean, I'm just happy for Watford to get relegated any time. And of course, the man that we all love and adore, our hero. Founder and editor of ThirdDegree.net, back from his vacation. Yeah, Buzz Carrick, come in, Buzz. How you doing, fellas? I'm today. I'm calling in from Andy Swift's house, where we're celebrating Liverpool's 20th title. Six so, feet apart, of course. Six feet apart. He's going to be so insufferable this weekend when we do <laughs> yeah, the <he> show. <laughs> so insufferable. I don't know if you guys know this about Andy, but he's also a Boston Red Sox fan. I do. And he, and he's got this weird tradition and I think this also holds over to Liverpool where uh he he would wear a Boston Red Sox hat and he would wear that hat and only that hat until they won a World Series and then he retires that hat. So my guess is he's been wearing the same pair of Liverpool underwear for 30 <laughs> years. And he finally gets to retire them. So I'm happy for him. I wasn't expecting the underwear part. (laughs) Well, what else is he going to wear every day? I I can't wear a jersey, can he? No, uh, he's too highfalutin. So, uh, well, it's great to be back with you guys. Uh, Kudos to you two for pulling off several podcasts with a bunch of great stuff uh, over the last weeks, if not months. Uh, And we are now on the precipice of MLS is back, the tournament dumbest name and as andy my friend once again aforementioned andy pointed out that's just simply a byproduct of the league's inability to sell a title sponsor for the tournament interestingly they keep saying presented by heineken i mean just call it copa covid we already do anyway (laughs) well then why isn't it called the heineken cup or it seems ridiculous they would call it mls is back that's the worst name for this thing isn't it look a nike intern got stuck with it right we know what happened before when that happened. All right. I'm sure somebody thinks it's clever that that's like that they're emphasizing the fact that it's back. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying somebody thinks it's good. Right. So the, just, think about this way: the NWSL Challenge Cup is probably gonna fall victim to the virus. So why don't they just steal that name? <laughs> well, the NWSL just, Challenge Cup. <laughs> yes, exactly. Same logo, everything, because it has an actual logo, which is actually pretty nice. 
That would be really confusing. It just would make sense to give it an, a proper name and not like an action verb tense. I don't know what the grammatical phrase is. It just, I don't know. It's really awkward and like many things, it just, you wish it would be a little yeah. bit better. But we're all glad it is coming back. I think we all just have to work into the assumption that it is actually going to happen despite all of the uh, amazingly frightening new numbers we're seeing in COVID, uh, COVID reports and, and positive tests, specifically in the state of Florida which is really starting to go off the charts. Uh, the fact that it's going to be a bubble tournament, and I'm sure we'll talk more about the tournament and its specifics next week. What we really wanted to do today is just kind of give everybody an update on the state of the team and some of the things that I think Buzz and Dan know, which have been going on in terms of Lucci's thinkings of tactics and formations. But before we get to that, Buzz, we really need to dive into the breaking news of yesterday that you broke, which is the news that as many as three more Dallas players have tested positive for COVID, which would now make four. Why don't you uh, fill everybody in the details, please? Yeah, so the first one back in June 3rd, I think it was, was turned out to be Jesus Ferreira. We learned that a couple of weeks ago. And then um, I, I got an independent uh, report that, that that possibly three new guys, two on Thursday and one on Friday, tested positive. Uh, and I was able to independently confirm from other sources that, yes, that was true at least of the two guys on Thursday and, and the names were matched independently. I didn't offer names to anybody independently. Different people told me the exact same names, which gives me a whole lot of confidence. And then of course it's also been confirmed by other people that, um, that there have been some positive tests. So Brandon Cervania and Fafa Pico, we know for sure. The one on Friday is the one that's perhaps a little sketchy. I can't get a name. Um, c- confirmed or verified by anybody. And now FC Dallas has really, really clamped down on this stuff since they already had, and they particularly have since we did the story, even more so. So I doubt I'll be able to get it confirmed. Now, if you want to be an incredible, annoying sort of spy kind of person, which we do, and we look at the pictures and the B-roll from training, there is a person missing this week from the pictures in the B-roll. Now, that's not definitive, so don't anybody say that I'm saying this person has COVID because I'm not. I'm just saying that there's one more person missing from training. And that's Ryan Hollingshead. But for all we know, he's got a family thing or he's on vacation. I mean, who knows? Or he just That's just the person the... who's not in the pictures. So. And he just may... Or he could be at practice and training. We just don't, we yeah, don't see him Yeah, and there's just not the a picture or he's not in the B-roll. That's entirely possible. He's there and he's, they just didn't shoot him. That That's but, totally possible. But I looked through three days worth of stuff this week and I didn't see him. You know, and, and for all we know, picture, he just said, go And ahead. you saw everybody else. Everybody else except for Cervania and Fafa Pico this week. And then Ryan is the third person who's not in there. But, you know, for all we know, he said, people are positive and I've got four kids at home. I'm not coming this week. I mean, that could be what happened. We don't know. Sure. You know, yeah. I mean, who knows? It's just like when we all went into spy mode and started looking at pictures, at least I did, that's the guy I can't find. You know, mm-hmm. but again, I've only been, I haven't been able to independently confirm the fourth person that was the person on Friday. So it's possible that one's not a non-starter and maybe... Jesus is the third from earlier in the month or something. So until FC Dallas confirms any of this stuff, you know, and they're never gonna, you know, eventually we'll probably find out for sure. I mean, I'm very confident of Cervani and Pico and, and Jesus were the first three. So the fourth one, you know, who knows at this point. Well, so now the question I have is, is that essentially um, means that Fafa and Brandon are going to miss the tournament or at least most of the tournament, right? 
Well, on the conference call yesterday with Lucci, I tried to see if he would talk about that. And he wouldn't talk about any testing because of privacy issues. And, and I totally understand that. Um, but he spoke generically because I asked him about, are, are you concerned you know, with a young group of players? Do they have the discipline to not get in trouble? And he's talked generically about there being ways that players could join them uh, you know, if someone was sick, that someone could come at some point, you know, if once they were clear and had not tested positive. Now, he didn't say when it was lots of ifs and coulds and that kind of stuff, you know, but he's he seemed confident that his players would be disciplined enough that they can do it. And he seemed very confident in all the team protocols and thinks that everything's going to be fine. Um, they're very much the staff from the, from Lucci's discussion seems very, very positive that this is all going to come off and be doable. I, I'm not so confident, but um, because you have things like this where people, you know, just accidentally get sick through, you know, who knows how anyone could have contracted it. And by the way, we have heard of all these names. We have heard they're all fine. You know, the people that have, have sourced me this information, no one is apparently it's all asymptomatic, apparently. Um, and, and, and Jesse, and Jesse, excuse me, Jesus Ferreira is actually already back in training from his earlier in the month. So he's obviously now not testing positive. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a, a little bit concerning, right? We, we know there's three or four, um, there's dozen, you know, potentially dozens around the league. There's talk that every team has had a, a positive test and it, it is absolutely possible for, for, um, for those players to make the tournament. Um, you know, the only thing they have to do is pass two PCR tests of the nasal swab uh, within space of just over 24 hours. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, especially if, uh, if there is an outbreak in that hotel uh, that they're all going to be stuck in, how they deal with that. Um, there's definitely a potential for mess, right? Well, the question I have is, is that if um, Buzz had not gotten uh, a message from somebody that uh, clued him into the news about these three players at FC Dallas, we would have never known probably until they got to the tournament and the guys were missing. Uh, It's very clear to me now that the league is not volunteering information, but that makes me, I don't understand why, because Dallas... Uh, sent out a press release about the original one, and Colorado announced theirs the other day, and I think some other teams have been forthright. I don't. Is it is it as if the league is telling teams, look, it's okay to announce the first, but once you've got more, let's just kind of keep it undercover because we don't want to freak everybody out. Well, Sam's article on the Athletics says that they're not requiring teams to talk about them, and um, I think the only reason that FC Dallas talked about the first one was because somebody reported it. So then they were like, oh, we'll put out. Oh, okay. Is that what happened? So somebody reported yeah. it. Okay, yeah. I thought for some reason it was uh, they had cut, they were like you know trying to get out ahead of it and they announced it first. But you're no, I, I, my memory says somebody else reported it first because if I remember the the article that popped up on MLS said, oh here's a report that someone from Messi Dallas tested positive. So I mean I would have thought they would have done the same thing once we reported it yesterday, but you know especially because I wasn't the only one. I mean once we put it out, other people followed up with verification of it. So not the names, but the the tests. So I I think Messi Dallas and everybody else and the league probably in general. What I understand is that the league is basically in, uh, you know, putting out fires mode and panicking, trying to get this thing pulled off when they have a case in Colorado and they have a case in New England and cases all around the league, you know. So, you know, with Jesus, um, it was on his Instagram feed, so people knew about it, so it got out. And, you know, I'm sure the earlier cases, they were like, well, I think we have uh, some kind of duty to 
to perform here and then that news gets out and now it's especially with FC Dallas because FC Dallas um, wouldn't even tell us a game on if if they uh, didn't have to that um <laughs> It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, that now they're like, cool. We don't have to tell anyone anything. This is great. Let's just resume normal activity. But are we? Uh, do either one of you have any concern that maybe this is way more and this is a way worse situation league wide? I'm not speaking about Dallas in particular. Than maybe anybody has an idea on. And my next question is: is how is? Let's just use Dallas again as an example. How does Dallas not know that everybody else is okay? Did they immediately then go retest everybody and everybody else in the team is tested negative? Well, I'm not 100% sure what their absolute protocols are, but you know they've showed pictures of their guys testing, so I would imagine when someone tests positive that they then immediately test everybody. I mean, I can't imagine that they would just go, ah, we'll just train it anyway. I mean, that seems because, you know, that Lucci said that last week they had started contact, you know, when they went into the team drills, they started contact of less than one second or less. Basically you could hit a guy, but that was it. And then this week they were going to ramp up the level of contact because they need to get into full contact mode before they go to Orlando. So I'm sure that they're being very aggressive. I mean, he seemed very confident about the level of protocols they put in place that exceed whatever it is that, you know, just regular old rules were. So um, I'm not privy to the details, but the the team itself seems confident. I'm very unconfident because I think young people will do dumb stuff and, and, and get exposed even in Florida. He actually no, did say on his uh, that little time by they have on the fan today that um, they have had the talk about players being sensible and not being the Orlando pride. All right. Well, I guess we'll just have to keep our eyes uh, on that and, and see how it transforms over the next couple of weeks. The team leaves on Saturday. Again, uh, we're just going to work under the assumption that Fafa and Brandon and a third person isn't going to be leaving with them to go on the trip, at least initially. Uh, and we'll just have to keep our eyes on that. And then the rest of the league. And of course, there's still this other ongoing story that took place while we were in our own set of breaks, which was the Jesse Gonzalez story. Uh, Buzz, why don't you fill everybody in on that? Right. So um, I, I don't want to speak about anything that I don't know anything about. And all we know is, is that some sort of uh, complaint was made against Jesse for domestic abuse. There's been a lot of stuff. Um, not a lot of stuff. There's been like a little bit of stuff from his wife on Instagram. Um, and it's been reported that Jesse is now in rehab. Um, so that's all we know. Now, what we need to talk about is basically what could happen or what's likely to happen, depending on which way the story breaks. Obviously it seems to me that if any part of this turns out to be true, then he's done with FC Dallas. They can't go on with a guy that's got this kind of thing in his thing. The only way I think that he would get out of not being done with FC Dallas is if it all turns out to be um, concocted like it was with Doug Quinn, the team's former general manager, so it's pretty cut and dried, I think, from the outside. And the team, of course, won't talk. So basically, like, it either happened or it didn't happen. And it'll be pretty obvious which way it'll go based on that discussion. So it's, it's the, the signs are not good, but we have to let due process finish before we say 100% sure he's done or 100% he's fine. It'll be one way or the other. I don't think there's any way that they'll keep him... I don't speak for the team, but I can't imagine that they'll keep him if he's any level of guilty in this process. Yeah, and just to be fair, uh, for especially not just to him personally, 
and the club, uh, but also to any listeners of the pod who weren't around back in the day. Doug Quinn was the general manager of FC Dallas, and out of the blue one day, we got the startling report that he had been arrested uh, because his wife accused him of beating her in a hotel in a New York City hotel room. And that got really ugly in those days following, and then he was subsequently fired. But I think I'm correct in saying in the long run, it turned out that the yeah. whole thing had been made up and he, all the charges were dropped and it, his wife, or now probably ex-wife, was just a nutbag. And he really got the raw deal on that. Yeah, it was reported like two months later. He had already resigned or or whatever it was, parted by mutual ways, whatever it was. But a couple of months later, the New York City police completely dropped the case saying the entire thing had been fabricated. So, um, you know, that's the only way I think that Jesse gets out of this is if it's that level of thing. You know, and I don't say that because I doubt her testimony. I I have no idea about any of it. I'm just saying there's only two ways it can go. And that's the only way he can survive this, I think because of the club's history with that specific previous case, I don't think that they can keep him once if it turns out that he did something. Yeah. I'm sorry if you've already mentioned this, there was a bunch of, uh, I don't know if you want to call it evidence, but there were some, a bunch of related things to Jesse and I'm guessing going to soon be his ex-wife on social media. She had posted a lot of things using the hashtag and the word abuse uh, in there. And then there was this weird, very brief thing on Jesse's Instagram page on his birthday for a short period of time that I'm assuming some knuckleheaded friend of his put on there uh, about you know beating my wife or something like that that got removed and so I, there's a lot going on and you know uh, it's hard to it's hard to talk about because you don't want to accuse anybody of anything um, but you know the, the other thing that we've talked about on our show when it comes to Jesse is is that if you go around and talk to people that actually speak to him and I've I don't even know if I've ever spoken two words to Jesse I know you guys probably have. The thing that I have repeated, I, the, the common thread through all of those conversations is the comment back from people both in the club or in the media is, you know, Jesse's just not real smart. And the other comment is, if you had told me this was going to be Ryan, and the one that always comes up is Ryan Hollingshead. If you told me this was Ryan Hollingshead, I would, it, I'd be shocked and I'd never believe you. But as soon as I heard it was Jesse, I went, yeah, I could see that. You guys, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to think that level of about some guy, you know, I, I'm a person that tries to believe everyone's nice. And I, obviously I get wrecked by that all the time. Um, so I, I don't want to speak to whether I think he's capable of this or not. I, you know, and at some levels uh, almost isn't everybody capable of something bad. At, and, but I, I would agree with you that Jeff Jesse is not exactly, you know, you're a highly educated, super smart guy, but you know, I, he has been very well, that, nice and very personable to me. Every time I've talked to him, I've never seen a hint of him having this in him personally. Yeah, I, let me make sure, let me say I don't think people's comments about him being not very smart isn't about his level of intelligence, book smarts, or, or or anything like that. It I think the the inference is or the implication is that he just is a bad decision maker, and you see that in on his in the on the field play in his play, yes. Yeah, you know, I've heard stories that he just, you know, openly chooses not to show up for appearances, you know, just because he doesn't want to and, you know, things like that. Now, again, these are all secondhand reports. I'm just kind of I'm just relating back to you guys. The one common thread 
that came back to me as I talked to people who regularly talked to Jesse. And it, it, and that was kind of the one running thing. And, and, and that's the thing that really yeah. stuck out to me was just everybody was like, yeah, he's just not really good at decision making. And you could and, and temper is the other thing, too. I haven't seen the temper part personally, but I would agree with the poor decision making only based on his play alone that's indicative of that i don't i don't know the man personally so i can't speak to the rest do we have any sense how long the um the, now you said he was in rehab yeah when you say rehab is that are you referring to the league mandated program or is he like in a some sort of something else uh, i don't know that what i had seen was the some acronym program, which I think is the league program. Yeah, so that's I, the league. And one. the investigations are all pending the, him finishing that, basically, is what I understand. Yeah, so what so. Lucci said uh, was that the police have to do their thing. The league, He has to go through that s- substance and behavioral health assessment, which takes a few weeks, He, which he's supposedly cooperating with fully and, and in good spirits about. So... Based on that, the league will make their decision, and once the league's made their decision, FC Dallas will take a look at it as well, which, you know, should theoretically be, okay, we're going to echo whatever you say. Hmm. I would imagine. All right, well, let's uh, look at more bright and shiny happy things, and that is the fantastic news that all of the dominoes fell right into place for Dan and Clark and for Lucci and uh, for everybody at the club as Frank O'Hara is now here. Uh, The whole situation with Pachuca and the weird transfer window stuff all worked out in the club's favor. And boy, did it ever work out that they didn't end up ponying up the extra five or six million dollars to have him at quote the beginning of the season because now they get this guy, a top 10 uh, Liga MX striker uh, and apparently a really great guy. They get him without having to pay a transfer fee and they get him essentially at the beginning of their season um and i'm sure you guys are just super eager to get your first look at him yeah they put out some b-roll of him um and you can see obviously there's a little bit of time off sharpness missing but um there also is a lot of quality there in the b-roll i mean it's only like a minute or so worth stuff but you can see that there's definitely some quality um specifically in terms of his availability to play you have to get the p1 visa first but on uh, yesterday i asked lucci about that and he said Lucci doesn't do it, but he said that he's very optimistic that things are progressing uh, quicker than they had hoped. So for what that's worth, they feel good about his chances to be playing in Florida. So we'll see. Well, you know, hopefully he's right about that. But um, there's definitely some quality there and, and looks like he might be available to play soonish, which will be great. Uh, I noticed uh, the one thing I noticed was I, I guess they've put him up at the Omni at the store. And he's been posting photos on Instagram at their beautiful pool situation. Yeah. Uh, the dude is fit. Yeah. Good-looking man. Yeah. Oh, he's so, definitely fit. So you're saying he's not at the comfort suites where they put every other player? <laughs> no, I'm sure their first million-dollar annual salary guy is going to go up at one of the nicer Frisco hotels. Uh, no doubt about that. Well, I have two uh, little fun bits to add to him. Uh, I don't know if people know this, but he put the the, the uh, number twenty nine into his contract, so he contractually asked for that, which is interesting. Do you know what the significance uh, of that number is for him? Other than he wore it in Mexico, I do not. Okay, uh, it's what he was wearing with Pachuca. But I just thought it's a weird number to be that excited about. Uh, maybe we can ask him about it at some point. But it's it's cool. It's interesting that he cared enough that he actually had it put in his contract. I think he's got um, it tattooed on himself. Yeah, he may maybe like. Uh, so you definitely want to keep that number. 
Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to say about his arrival is, uh, is my one small criticism of this whole thing is, is towards Dan Hunt here, who clearly fell in love with the guy back in 98 or whatever in the CONCACAF Champions League. And that is, if you want to play at this level, you got to wear your big boy pants. And if you want to go get a guy, go get a guy when you fall in love with him. Don't wait three seasons for him to come out of contract. That's all. I, you know, I get not paying six months ago. But if you wanted him, go get him three years ago when you wanted him. Well, it all worked out, Buzz. Uh, as I've said, sort of. this He's only 31. just continues to provide more evidence that the Hunt family are part of the Illuminati. Hence, how they <laughs> knew all of the the COVID was happening. Why pay yes. the money? They were just going to get him for on the cheap down the road. Yeah, and then sure. with the other with the other thing going on is uh, you know the transfer windows are all super wonky. Nobody's really sure who gets to go where. Um, somebody here, I think it's you, Buzz, has some news about Reggie and and the chances he's going to be leaving here soon. Yeah, we had been questioning, of course, as everyone has, you know, would how many free players are going to be out there because teams are dumping players right and left, you know, and would the market soften without Reggie being able to demonstrate his game or whatever. And so what I'm hearing is that um, there's it's down to a few teams in Germany that are definitely interested in trying to get him. I, I don't have a, a name of a team I can give you, but it's, uh, it's several teams are interested. In, in, and so there's there's absolutely still a potential that he's going to go when, whenever the window actually happens. Cause it, it's not hundred percent determined yet. So, um, I, you know, nothing's done of course. So you never know, he might be here long-term, but, um, I think Reggie's going to be rare to come out gangbusters in this tournament, uh, you know, to, to put the nail in the coffin lid of this contract, this deal that he's working on to go to somebody, uh, possibly some, several, several somebody's in Germany. So that'll be fun to watch. And then uh, I'm assuming your your assumption is his replacement is oh my gosh it's been so long oh, Brian, Brian Reynolds. Reynolds thank you Good yeah Lord, well the the club has um, opened negotiations on an extension for him he's he's in the window that Jesus and Paxson just went through where his original first deal is falling off um, and uh, my sources are telling me that there's multiple teams around the league that are watching that negotiation very closely because. There's teams that think he can play three or four different positions for them and want to steal him away if the contract talks with FC Dallas fall apart. So there is some demand for Brian Reynolds. Uh, he has a huge ton of potential, you know, and, and if if Reggie goes, he'll get the first chance as right back. And in fact, it's a, he's in, heavily involved in the B-roll, uh, as is Reggie, that was came out this week from FC Dallas. So um, player to watch. We'll see. I'm excited to actually see him get his chance finally, hopefully, when Reggie's deal comes through. Okay. Uh, any other notes about? Oh, the uh, Advocare situation. We should make note of this. They also announced uh, uh, at some point in the last <laughs> storm of <laughs> of uh, confusion, they announced that Advocare is leaving the front of the shirt and becoming the sleeve sponsor. We don't yet know who the sh- front of the shirt is. Although Dan, I think you reported that the uh, uh, front runner, or at least one of the leaders in the clubhouse, is the mysterious NEC. Yep, those uh, those those glorious eighties Everton kits coming back. Um, yeah, I mean, we've we've seen you know anyone who's kind of been around the stadium seen um, NEC people being walked around by FC Dallas staff after they did all the uh, the facial recognition stuff in the Hall of Fame. Um, apparently, their North American headquarters is in Irving, so it's uh, one of those nice local ties. Um, Funny thing, the the mass hatred of Advocare 
I wrote, I did the story on on a you know, sponsor being moved to the sleeve, and I'm looking for a new sponsor. And I think I may have worded it in a way that made it sound like Advocare was gone. Um, and that became like the third most read story on since we launched the new blog, the WordPress one. <laughs> so <laughs> FC Dallas, just get rid of it. People like Git Talk. They uh, hate Advocare. No, they do hate Advocare. There's so yeah, many people a- who won't buy a jersey with Advocare on it. Yeah, I've 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 seen that before, um, and I think the whole m- multi-level marketing thing sticks with them um, to this day. But I, it's not money easily passed up by the club, I suppose, at this point. Yeah, and you got to think like they had that was it four hundred million or one hundred fifty million dollar uh, judgment from the FEC or SEC, whoever it was, um, about the multi-level marketing thing banned them from being multi-level marketing they have to be like a straight retail now you know so spending several million dollars a year as opposed to like 500 grand a year to be on the sleeve makes a pretty big difference to a to a company that's uh, suddenly scratching for cash okay that's uh, i think we've uh, dutifully done our work on the headlines unless anybody has anything else they want to throw out there no i think i got that's everything i got on the table right now Okay, Dan, you, here's your last chance. Speak now. Forever hold your peace. I just hope Luton stays up. That's really it. All right, very good. Let's move on to the current state of the team. It's been a while. I I honestly, I had this realization the other day. I don't even recall off the top of my head what the first, I don't even remember if they played, what, two or three games before stoppage. Two. They had played two, and I don't. I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head who they played. I think they won one and tied one. Is that correct? Beat Philly, Drew of Montreal. That yes. crazy oh, comeback 2-2. Yeah, okay. That's right. I do remember that now. Okay, thank you. So, Buzz, why don't you uh, fill us on on what you think uh, Lucci's got up his sleeves for the MLS is back tournament. Well, the biggest thing, um, other than the fact that he's a, he he's developing a tendency to tweak his lineup, both personnel-wise and shape-wise, based on the opponent, more aggressively than some previous managers have. And that includes the single pivot to double pivot switch we see all the time. You know, the 4-3-3-ish, 4-2-3-1, whatever you want, whichever one it is, is the, the usual go for formation. But um Ziegler specifically mentioned uh in his his call earlier this week that they had in their pocket still the three-man back line which could be a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3 whatever you want to look at it as um with Brisson in there with Hedges and, and Reto uh and they used that a ton in the spring not quite 50 percent but more than more than just a nominal flirtation with it they worked through it a bunch um Possibly with the idea that it has two strikers, of course, and now you have two big-time frontline strikers. So um, Reto mentioned it two, two days ago, basically. So I think it's definitely in the pocket as a tool you might see them roll out over the course of this tournament. Now, will you see it right out of the gate? No, I don't think so. I think you'll see the four-three-three version, whichever it is, more than likely. But um, it'll be interesting to watch and see if they migrate towards that as – Hara becomes healthy and starts to compete with um, Cobra, you know, for, for possibilities of formations. So it'll be fun to watch that one. All right. So um, let's talk that. Let's let's just get that off the top. The issue at the number nine position between Cobra and Hara. What what do you how do you think that's going to play out over the and just specifically in the tournament? Because we have no idea what's going to happen after the tournament's over. Yeah, well, for sure. Cobra is the guy right now, um, because obviously, number one, Hara doesn't have his 
visa. But assuming he gets his visa, um, both Lucci and Frank O'Hara have mentioned, you know, getting into shape and game shape and earning a spot and fighting to get in there, you know, and it's not going to be handed to him. All the right things are being said, but you know, when you have the owner <laughs> covet a guy for three years, you know, that guy's going to play eventually. So it might just be a question of how soon he gets worked in, how he looks in training. Lucci likes the training, you know, remember Cobra didn't play because of training, but before, so, you know, that competition will be hot once they get, uh, you know, Hara's actually cleared and participating and up to speed. Uh, and he's for sure going to get an opportunity at some point. More than likely, when you have a scoring record that he has, at some point, he'll be the guy. But then again, people think I'm a Cobra hater. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm a little biased in that regard. It was kind of funny on the introductory uh, press conference. I was one of two um, English language people. <laughs> I was on vacation. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were a lot of uh, Spanish language media kind of fawning over Hara and his uh, Liga MX record, and like, oh, you know, what's your what's your target to score? You know, um, how do you feel about starting? And, and he just stopped him. He's like, hey, I need to be as fit as the other striker before I even think about that. You know, which is valid. Uh, you know, Cobras had structured training since the start of May. Um, you know, Hara was working with a local club, not with Pachuca, and he was tr- working, you know, on Zoom meetings with Vanda, trying to come up with a, a fitness plan that he could do from his home. Yeah, road road scoring for him may be the determining factor here, because as much as we like what Cobra's done lately, he has not been as good on the road, and that may be a key factor for which one of them is the deal, real deal. And and a lot of people think Hara's going to push Dallas up into the upper echelons of this league. So it'll be, you know, it's unlikely that he's not going to get multiple chances to start at some point. Is there any scenario in which uh, Lucci figures out a way to get them both on the field at the same time in a two-striker formation? Uh, if you play a three-five-two, you certainly can, but then you wonder what you do with Michael Barrios. If you play a, a classic four-four-two, then you could put Barrios more on the wing, you know, kind of situation. But um, so there are ways to do it. But um, it's it's they're they're both so similar. You know, a lot of times a two striker system is a a nine and then a, an off guy. You know, a one all the a ten type striker. So it it doesn't seem likely to me because they're very similar stylistically players. Hara and, and Cobra are. So I think it's going to be a head to head competition there. You definitely want a pace guy if you're going to go with two strikers. Because you want a, a Pepe or a Ferreira. You just you don't want two guys that uh, can get in the box, can get ahead on the ball, but are kind of slow with it. Yeah. What do you, does? I, I, and again, I've only seen very little of uh, Hara over the you know last few months since we found out he was coming, and I so I I can't claim any sort of uh, super knowledge of his skill sets or what makes him good and what he's not good at. Uh, is he not super fast? Uh, you, want, you know, maybe that would be helpful for everybody to know more about his game. Well, style-wise, he's a high nine. He's exactly like Cobra or exactly like Blas Perez. He's not an over-the-top guy like Jeff Cunningham. He's definitely a get-in-the-box-and-post-up kind of guy. But he does like to range about a bit. He'll, he will come out and sort of not, not run at people, but like try and come out and pick up play and cross or shoot from deeper. But um, 
good touch from the videos I've seen. Good touch, good shooter, good finisher. So that his claim to fame, as far as I know, is 100% like his finishing ability, clinicalness, ruthlessness, putting away the chances when they come. And, th- and that'll be the thing that will or won't separate him really in the end from Cobra is the finishing ability for the, of those two guys. So uh, the, the thing that I, the, the previous COVID information that creates a problem is if in fact, and again, we're not 100% sure, but if Fafa... Uh, Pico is one of the three guys that have tested positive and he's not going to be with the club for at least a portion of the tournament. Who's going to play that left wing position, assuming they're playing the same formation? Are we now stuck back at Mascara or is that maybe where Jesse shifts out to or does uh, Paxton end up playing that position? Well, if you remember, uh, we can kind of do these two positions together. Um on the death chart, it's Santiago Mascara first. But if you remember that um, we had learned that for game three, uh, Paxton Pomelco was going to start at the free eight, which would have given you the freedom if you wanted to put Jesus out as a winger. So Jesus will be in the mix at both of those positions and and maybe even a right wing too. If Barris gets a game off, there's going to be some rotation in this tournament. So I think Santi will get every chance to lose that job and if he's not on in training and maybe even the first game, then I think Jesus will be right in there um, because he's a, he's the next closest person to being a real winger from that side. Well, I've, I feigned uh, forgetfulness about the first two games, but now that you mention it, the one thing I do remember was that Jesus, uh, not, yeah, Jesus did not start well this season, and now I remember no. that, that we were expecting Paxton to take his spot in the third game before the season stops. So. Yeah, it was beyond expecting. I mean, we had learned flat out that Paxton was going to start in New York in game yeah. three. Jesus so, had been pretty poor up to that yeah, point. Yeah, well, you know, when you put a large, larger defensive role on Jesus in that deeper eight position, that's not his bag. You're asking him, to, now he has to think about what he's doing defensively. There's a difference between being a high check pressure guy and actually playing defense. Those are two different things. So he's better when he's free. So it is not a great start. Paxton's better in that spot. So I'm hoping we'll see Paxton and then Jesus can play somewhere else. But we won't know because training's been closed for three months now to media. So we don't know. We can only watch the little video clips they put out and see what they're doing. Someone needs to get a bootleg copy of that New York City game badly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the one the scrimmage they're going to play. Yeah, that's a man. I wish they put that on TV. Or and that'll be the only scrimmage. So uh, yeah, you know, yeah. not a lot to go by. Uh, okay, so I'm looking at the uh, list of stuff that uh, Buzz gave me to work off of. So we've talked about Cobra. We've talked. We've talked about the nine. We've talked about the eleven. We've even yep. talked about the free eight to a uh, to a degree. I guess we should also now move over on the right hand side at at, the, at Buzz is very very strict. Nomenclature the seven, <laughs> yeah, uh, and Mister Barrios is uh, well. That's what Lucci calls him. The seven. Lucci calls the right wing seven and the left wing eleven. Okay, all right. Because um, right seven's often right wing. That's why it's the seven. Um, Quit being such a yeah, badass about your numbers. I know. I'm, I know. Numbers matter. <laughs> so Michael Barrios, of course, is the dead solid lock at that position. So the question is, you know, when you sub him out late or whatever, what, who can come in? Well, I, you know, coming into this season, I was predicting great things for Dante Sealy in the sense that he would make his debut. So he obviously is a factor, and I think they will try and get him some time backing up Barrios probably. But Emma Tuomasi is also in camp. He's back from his loan to Austin. He's with Dallas right now. Um, so that he's also could be a factor. Now, Emma, of course, could also play left wing. I don't think he's high on the depth chart, but he can. He can also play as an eight. He can play as an off striker. But 
you know, we know where Emma is on the depth chart. He's way down the list. So um, I'm hoping we'll see a little bit of him at some point. But um, Dante Seeley is the one that in that position, the one that's like, oh, this kid's going to be great. You know, he's just, he's, what is he now, 16? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, making your pro debut at that age is going to be fun if it actually comes off because I think it will. I think he's very close to getting his pro debut. Yeah, 17. So okay. he's an exciting player to watch. Um, and you have it in parentheses, which I think is the text version of a whisper. Are we going to see any Thomas Roberts? Thomas Roberts. Yeah, I I think you will. Um, Thomas at this point is basically third behind Paxson Jesus at the eight, the free eight, if you will. But if, um, if Jesus is going to be playing somewhere else, then it's him and Paxton. So, uh, I think there's a chance that though, particularly when they're shorthanded because of COVIDness, you know, and the games are going to come so fast that you're going to have to rotate. I think you're going to see a little Thomas Roberts in there. They're still interested in him, of course, in terms of overseas stuff because he's so good on the ball. But um, we need to see him impact, not just get in games, but impact games. That's the next thing for him, whether it's FC Dallas or North Texas. Impact the game. Uh, holding mid continues to be a position, or not the holding mid, the other eight position continues to be pretty interesting to me. I'm, I'm assuming Brian Costa is the guy and he's all healthy again and ready to go, right? I mean, he's healthy, yes, uh, and he's a former World Cup player. So, you know, like uh, Santi, in a sense, he'll get every chance to hold on to that position. But Brandon Cervania, I really, really rate very highly. I think his his uh, X goal impact last year through his assist work and transition work was really, really high. Of course, we also now have him as our COVID tester, so that's a problem. And Tanner Testament, of course, has been fantastic. I mean, Reto Ziegler seagled him out as a guy with a huge future. So that may actually be the best battle in camp. That is Brian Acosta position. and Tanner Testman? Yeah, and Brandon Cervania. Those oh, three wow. guys. Okay. That might be the best battle out there. Because, you know, play the kids, right? So uh, Acosta has some knuckleheadedness from time to time. So there's, and I think Cervania outplayed him last year. So, and Tanner Testman was great. Um, Tanner Testman, I think, his age. You know, yeah. there's no rush. But, you know, when the captain singles you out as a guy that's going to be a huge in the future, you know, that's a lot of uh, – he looked pretty good those first two games. And then at the holding mid, if there was a, a, a person that's really uh, penned their name in that position, it's got to be Santos, who I have to admit, I was really pleased with how good he was in the first two games uh, that we saw him in. Now that I'm actually thinking and recalling this, I'm remembering several things that it – I just would have never thought of or couldn't come up with uh, prior to the podcast recording this. He was really good, and I was really impressed with his willingness to take a ball out of midfield and go forward with it and try to drive into the box, which is something I don't even know we've ever seen out of a holding mid position in a long time. Um, And then Cerillo would be the other option there, right? So, yeah, I I would agree with that assessment that Santos was phenomenal. And that Lucci specifically mentioned, because uh, I was surprised that he and Tanner were playing a double pivot because they were given Santos so much freedom to go forward because he had done so well in training with that very thing. So that's one reason why you might see more of a double pivot look than a single pivot look when you get down to Orlando is because of Santos's surprise ability to get forward. Uh, the other guy there, Evan Surreal, you know, we he had a really horrible back half of last year, but I, I was one of the rewinds they had the other day was his game in Atlanta. And I was reminded how good he was. But, you know, he's a young kid. He's 18, so he's got a bright future ahead of him eventually. I think he's a long-term MLS pro. I don't see, like, big-time Euro potential in him, but I think he's going to be great. I think he could be a Chris Armas type, you know. So um, 
I'm not, a, I'm not worried about Cerullo. I think he'll be fine. Uh, you know, just needs to, you're not going to hear a lot from him because Thiago Santos looks so dang good. It's unfortunate, but yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned, uh, having that double pivot and allowing Santos to get forward. It, it, I mean, it's the same thing we were talking about before the whole COVID shutdown. Being able to have that kind of, well, uh, was it Weeby or, or Doyle called the, the triple pivot? Doyle? It, it, yeah. It just, uh, it's such a, it's such a tactical advantage for us to 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 know that no matter who's stuck forward, you've you've got that additional cover. You've got the man to kind of play like midfield sweeper, one to go to the ball and, and really pressure and, and close those gaps. Uh, you know, and then obviously someone tracking back as well. So having Tessman with either of those options just uh, it's a great option. Uh, I you know after the first two games, you guys are going to have to remind me how are we feeling about the defense, and, and we'll we'll set aside the Jesse issue for a second. Did we come away from the first two games thinking the defense was looking pretty good? I don't remember. I, I have one reservation about it, and I, I don't know whether Dan will agree with me. I, you know, Ryan's great, Hedges is great, R- Reggie Cannon's great, R- Retzo is mostly great. Like one of the thing we worried about, I worried about was his age and that susceptibility to that run between him and the outside back from the really, really speedy striker. And it looked to me like that was a problem in the first two games. I don't know, Dan, if you remember that. Yeah, we definitely saw it in preseason as well because it was a very specific diagonal run. It was the same one to always catch him and Ryan out. And I don't know if that's maybe in part because Ryan is he's a winger that's adapting. He's not, you know, a, a true left back. Uh, as well as he's played there, there's still some defensive deficiencies so it's kind of it goes back to when um minor figueroa would play center back and the difference in he'd kind of drift and lose the man whereas reto just kind of he gets caught flat-footed maybe or he's just gracefully aging yeah 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 um but yeah that, that was kind of the only the, the only thing I, I feel like and it's not going to happen if if he and hedges were on had kind of swap sides and you've got Reggie there maybe you've got more of a a little more defensive cover but uh another reason why that's another reason why you might see the triple back with Bershon in there you know the three guys covering that middle basically yeah I mean we didn't we obviously haven't seen the best of Bershon um no. for, for all the pomp and circumstance and what should have been I mean it was a fantastic sign his his pedigree is great um he is he is a very athletic player kind of up there with with your with your Matt Hedges and and able to definitely cover that ground and and let Reto be the guy getting under every ball and and kind of uh being the kind of like marshalling the defense more than necessarily doing all the donkey work by the way I'm going to stick with my prediction that Cal Montgomery by the end of this season will be will get starts for SC Dallas with an eye on him replacing Reto as the starter with Hedges going forward mm. I'm sticking with that prediction all right and then moving on to goalkeeper, because I do think it's worth a, a conversation. In, in addition to everything that we know about the Jesse situation, one of the other things that took place that we didn't mention that maybe indicates that maybe we weren't, aren't going to see Jesse anytime soon was the club's decision to sign to a homegrown deal, uh, Carlos Avilez. Is that how Avilez, you pronounce yeah. it? Avilez. Avilez. Uh, yeah. To a, uh, I'm sorry, they signed him to a homegrown deal, Carlos Avilez, uh, and he now will be the third goalkeeper, which means um, you guys are going to have to tell me uh, your feelings about uh, Mar and Zobek as your two options in between the pipes. Well, I quite like Maurer. I think he's MLS starter quality 
um, it would, it's been nice to have a guy that could do that here as a second guy. Ziegler on Tuesday, like it was Tuesday, specifically talks about Jimmy and how they have a lot of confidence because when Russell first got here, Jimmy had a start, stretch of like six games where he started and he said he was great. So they have all the confidence and he can do it. Um, Zobek for me has come on light years since he got here because when he got here, I thought no way. But now I think he's actually a quality third guy. I don't think he's ever going to be a starter in MLS. You know, I'm happy to have him around because he works hard and he trains hard. Avales is interesting. Avales is still relatively young, of course. He's in his, you know, was he 20, I think? You know, he has not, he did not lock down the uh, starting job with North Texas like I had wanted him to. You know, when push came to shove, they used Zobeck, who was great in the, in the championship last year. So for me, this is a, we need a body for the tournament because we don't know what's going to happen with Jesse. So let's sign this kid as a homegrown. And then if Jesse comes back through a miracle of whatever, then we can just loan Avila's back down to North Texas and he won't complain. He'll be like, Hey, I got my homegrown contract. I'm getting paid. I'm super excited. So basically like for me, this is, I read this as a, here's a test for you, kid. Can you step it up in training? Can you elevate your game? Can you show us something to invest in you in the future? So if he fails this test and probably uh, I don't, I have no idea if he's going to or not, but I am quite sure and quite confident. And even what I hear is that the team is already doing its due diligence uh, looking at keepers because you have to, you know, if Alice doesn't pan out, if Jimmy doesn't quite have it, if Jesse's not back, you're toast. So, as they should be doing they're I hear looking for keepers already, um, you know, it, kicking the tires, if you will. So big test for Avalaz in this tournament out of the back of the tournament and out of the back of Jesse's suspension or whatever comes with that, then you'll see possible action. The team actually has open roster space because of all the loans they do. They actually can add people. So, um, and, and they but can always send Avalaz back. But we're not we're not anticipating any news that they're going to sign somebody of note in the window whenever the window officially opens, are we? If Jesse's not back, yeah, I think there's a chance. Okay, it'll, but it'll, it'll, it just depends on how how Jimmy does. If Jimmy looks no, no, great, no, no, no. no. I, I mean, like, know. are you gonna are they gonna go out and find somebody else to to uh, you know an, a, somebody else uh, to play behind Barrios, which is maybe the other position of weakness oh. or. Or you know, or are they going to find somebody else to play on the lift now that Fafa Pico's tested positive? Yeah, Maybe he's yeah. out for I don't know. What's the, what? Do you, I mean, is there any chance yeah. any of that thing happens? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm glad you brought that up because you know several weeks ago, um, Lucci and Andre both said that uh, they owe it to the club and to the fans to do what you know what the term is their due diligence to go and look because they might be as surprised as anybody who might be available. So absolutely 100% the club is going to be looking for players because even if you don't, even if on paper, you're like, I love my team. I'm happy with who I have. And the pro game, you always look, you always see what's available and they're going to be doing that. Do I think they're going to add somebody? Maybe I think there's a chance, you know, as much as we like what Faf has done, the left wing is still not locked down by anybody, right? You know, Cobra and Har are both 31. Ziegler's 34. There's a problem at goalkeeper, right? So I think there's absolutely a chance you're going to see some activity from this team in the window.
And the other thing to keep a note of is that at least going into the tournament, and and again, we're all making a guess here based on uh, sources and your dogged investigation of stock photos. Yeah. This team is going into this tournament missing its starting two left-sided players. Yeah. Well, we don't know why Ryan's missing from the pictures, but yeah. I mean, well, if we're working under the assumption... Yes, we're yeah. working under the assumption that Ryan is the third person because he's not showing up in any of the pictures, which is all what we yeah. talked at the beginning. There's, yeah. uh, there is a scenario in which this team is lead, going into the tournament without its entire left side of the field. Yeah, that's entirely possible. I mean, we like Ryan Nelson, certainly. You know, and you can always you can put Reto over there and put Bresson in the middle. Uh, you can even put Ryan Rollins at left back. Or Reggie. Reggie played left back mm-hmm. like, from time to time, too. And so did Manjoma. Played, he used to play left back in the academy when Reggie was the right back. So um, lots of options. But uh, it's definitely a case where it seems for, you know, all of my sources say Fafa, yes, 100%. You know, it, it, Ryan, we're just guessing because of the photos. But, yeah, there's a chance you're missing. You know, they're definitely going to be shorthanded. They were already had, you know, Pablo Ronquis is still on loan. Uh, Francis Atuahene is still on loan. They got two of their loans back, but not the other two. You know, they're talking about have 23-man benches and five subs, so they're definitely going to be shorthanded. I want to put a pin in the Arangis thing and bring that up before we're over with. Dan, do you have any <laughs> other particular thoughts? Just about um, Pablo Arangis. Yeah, I've got a list for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, any other thoughts about, uh, you know, the roster and the status of the team um, before we end the pod and, and move on to other things? I mean, I, I think just to follow up on what you both mentioned about depth, um, a lot of the talk in, in England about the at least in the championship uh, where it's so tight, you know, everyone can still technically win the league or get relegated. Um, Luton town cannot win the championship. Oh, oh no, sorry. Really... Mathematically, I can still make the playoffs. I was, ah, okay. Uh, but most of the league can still mathematically win the league, which is just absurd. Go Leeds. Um, sod off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that, that people kept saying is it's, there's the worry for injuries because you know we're, we're dealing with not even a short preseason, just a couple of weeks, and then trying to get straight back to it. And we've seen like a 200 percent increase in Germany. Uh, we've seen a number of uh, big season-ending injuries in the Premier League already. You know, and so saying like it's not just a case of you've got to try and protect yourself from injury, but then there's COVID too, and with yeah. the length of this tournament. You know that pretty much rules somebody out. Time they, you know, even if they recover, get back and get back on the training field, they're still, you know, they're still going to be off the game of it. So, uh, you know, it's the whole next man up attitude they talk about. It's going to be a very tried and trusted, uh, tried and tried and tested um, method at, at this by the end of this tournament for really for every team. Yeah, considering how fast the games come too. Because it's like two, two a week, basically. You know, it's like four, like a World Cup. You know, it's only like four or five days between games. So, yeah, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this next week when we really dive into the tournament. But it's a crapshoot for anybody. I mean, literally yeah. any of the teams, maybe with the exception of Nashville and Miami, uh, anybody. Well, they signed Breck Shea. They're in. They're they're oh, set. Oh, that's right. They've got yeah, Breck Shea. Breck's they're back. now a favorite, probably. Um, yeah. Anybody literally can win this thing. I mean, there's just. I'm, I and 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 because the season really hadn't gotten started, we had no idea who was really uh, a good team or a bad team yet. This is going to be super weird. 
Oh yeah, there's no question. I, I feel really positive about FC Dallas in terms of being a decent team down there, you know, because of their ability to deal with the heat. And I actually think young guys respond quicker and get going quicker. And I think they have good squad depth at every position. So I actually like their chances overall in the grand scheme of things. But, um, you know, you are talking about once you get past the group stage, you are talking about single elimination. So literally anybody that, you know, all you got to do is top three in your group and you got a, like a really good chance to advance. And then it's like, who knows? Yeah, if anybody team any team has a home field advantage other than Orlando, it's got to be Dallas because I I'm gonna swear half the team has played in the youth tournament in Orlando in the last two or three yeah. years. Oh, for sure, point. yeah. Well, yeah. even you know you hear all the uh, like the veteran players talking about how are you preparing for it, and everyone's referencing Dallas Cup. Who's yeah. the host club of Dallas Cup and puts the most teams in? Yeah, yep. that's a good, that's a good point. All right, so this uh, before we end, I want to bring this up because Buzz, you tweeted something the other day uh, related to Arsenal and Mesut Ozil, and you yes. made the analogy that <laughs> uh, Pablo Arangis is FC uh, is to FC Dallas what Mesut Ozil is to yeah. Arsenal, and I pushed back that I don't agree with you. I think the Mesut Ozil of FC Dallas is Mauro Diaz, and I and I want to argue and, and bicker and sure. debate about that for a minute. Well, keep in mind that I was probably basically ignoring uh, Mehmet Ozil's history like three years ago when he was great. So it's like I was just looking at a guy who's a pure 10 who then couldn't get into a team because they don't use a pure 10 and he doesn't press for squat and and the game has passed him by in terms of style. That's how I compared him. Obviously, Ozil's at the end of his career, you know, but where I don't think he's Diaz is that Diaz theoretically, quote unquote, moved up to get a $3 million contract and like took a move, a good move to get out of here. Whereas Ozil's dropping down the other way and is going to be playing for Luton in division two next year. I don't think he's going to play. What the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) We have Elliot Lee. He's better. Yeah. Uh, see, I, I mean, I think you can paint this in so many different uh, ways, but I, I feel like the Mauro Diaz is a far better comparison because both Mesut Ozil and Mauro Diaz have had moments of brilliance for their respective clubs. Sure. And they've also had bizarrely weird lengths of time missing games for one reason or another. And the other part of it is, and maybe this is the thing that ties all three of them together, they just don't really want to be there. Right. Pablo yeah. didn't want to be here because he just clearly see. here's the other part. I just don't think Pablo Arangis is anywhere near as good as everybody thought he was going to be. Um, and maybe we just all assume that some guy coming from Chile was going to be the next Mauro Diaz. And we all should just maybe admit maybe he wasn't. Um, yeah. Uh, and and uh, and so that's why I felt Morrow was a far more a- 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 appropriate analogy for Mesut Ozil. Um, Dan, do you have any input on that? Yeah, I'm going to just completely blow apart the Pablo Aranguiz thing. Mesut Ozil has scored a goal and uh, registered an assist for Arsenal. Pablo Aranguiz oh. has not scored a goal or registered an assist for FC Dallas. <laughs> yeah, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Diaz is a better analogy. I give in. I just thought that okay. a, the idea of you know a current coach that uses a system that he, that he doesn't fit, the idea that tens are dead, that the idea that you have to be able to prog- uh, press, the idea that you have to have a vertical component to your game, which also doesn't have that the pace of MLS uh, uh, Arangis couldn't handle, and I feel the same thing about Ozil and the way the Premier League is now. So you know, there, it just felt like it was a familiar thing when I was watching all the talk about will 
Ozil ever play again for Arsenal. And I thought, man, it's just like Pablo. It's just the game's passing by, you know. And I, but you're right that 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 the level of play that Ozil has is far exceeds Morangi's for sure. Certainly in his past. There's definitely. Uh, I know we're kind of getting off track of FC Dallas. There's definitely an irony that Mikel Arteta was the uh, prototypical guy that could play any midfield role, and Mesut Ozil pretty much refuses to. Yeah. yeah I, I have a feeling that if he was encouraged or had the self-motivation, Mesut Ozil could play any midfield position if he really wanted to. The problem is he just doesn't want to. He's Brick Shea that way. that he I think he doesn't love soccer. Sometimes I feel like. Well, he's, you know, much like Brick Shea, when, when everyone was like, oh, he's, you know, he's too focused on his art and building his brand. Mesut Ozil is also trying to build his brand. He's now been dropped by Adidas and is, uh, mm. you know, supposedly um, supposed to be, like, building up his M10 brand to potentially be his next boots. Wow. Oh, and that was the other thing that I saw on the Twitter today, and I think I have to give credit to uh, Chico Kerm... What's that guy's name? I always forget. Um, well, hold on. You guys know who to credit once I say this. Edwin Giassi has gotten mm. a contract with Bestikas in the, in the Turkish League, <laughs> and somebody uh, at Twitter announced, uh, retweeted that today. Who was that that did that? Because I want to make sure we give credit uh, to them. I'm looking... Jose Antonio Carmona. Ah, yeah. that's right. Yes, yes. Yeah. The yeah. guy over uh, that. Yes. Um, and I don't know where he dug that up, uh, but kudos to him. That is, <laughs> we all just feel so bad for our friends yeah. at Bastikas now, don't we? Let's just be honest. Edwin Jassy has a much better agent than Fabian Castillo. Yeah. Why does he? Holy yeah. cow. Well, I guarantee you they didn't send him any tape from FC Dallas when they looking at because well, man, twenty minutes before he sat yeah, down. Yeah, I mean it's before. some horrific tape. I mean you've seen it, you know, in person, and and Dan, you've seen him in training. Man, it is. A, I, I watched it. I'm like, how the hell did they sign this guy? Because I mean, I'm sure there's some good tape that FC Dallas looked at, but in person, it it was clear to me like the minute he got here and it was 120, he's like, screw this and quit and just never tried for. Maybe his pride kicked in a little bit when we all said he was crap and he tried a little bit, but man, alive. Wow. Well, yeah, he's I'll right never up there as one that. of the worst signings of all time. Yeah, I'll never forget that night in Orlando when they started him and he made it 20 minutes and then he faked an injury to get subbed off and we essentially never saw him again. So my only hope for him is that it's not hot and humid in Turkey, although I think it's probably specifically. Oh, it is. It's very (laughs) much like that. Dan, were you at training when we asked Lucci uh, immediately following that what about a player quitting? Do you remember? He was very political, but do you remember his face? Yeah, his face. His face. Li- his face <laughs> yeah. was basically like you'd let rip, oh, and uh, he just said, yeah. "Well, we all saw it. I've yeah. never seen it before." Yeah, yeah. I remember him saying, "Well, he's healthy today." Okay, that was amazing, yeah. amazing. And and then to think that uh, poor Dan and Clark had to pay that dude like seven hundred thousand oh, dollars. Yeah, gosh. karma, karma. Uh, goodness, goodness, goodness. That is. Now, that is stealing money, if there ever was some. All right, anything else we need to touch on before we wrap up this uh, booger? Man, that's a lot. I don't have anything else, really. Dan, who does Luton have next, and when do you play? Oh, shit, I don't know. I'm the worst Luton. They're out of it. They're out of it. He doesn't care. No, I just... He's already given up on Luton. I just know that... Oh, it's... Oh, crap, it's Swansea. We're dead. And then (laughs) Leeds after that. Oh, no. Go Leeds. No one likes dirty Leeds. 
I do. I like. Man I do. Well, you're wrong. I want to see. I want to see Bielsa. You are the League. worst Man United fan ever. I just my teams won a lot, so you're happy re- to see Liverpool and Leeds win stuff. What the? I look. <laughs> I, I I United is my favorite team, but I also have a cracking reality that my ownership of that club is pretty much uh, faked, Hollywood fake. I'm just an American who picked a team randomly. I don't really own or possess any real connection to that club, and that's the truth for most but Americans with their English teams. You've been they just to randomly Old picked it. Yeah, but that's not. And the same you've as... been to Manchester because they're separate places. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there multiple times, too. Well, there you go. Uh, You're already maybe, better than 98% of them. Maybe I don't give myself enough credit for uh, being a Manchester No, you're United still a Man United fan. Don't give yourself too much credit. My, my okay. bash on Manchester United is that they weren't a club that was United. They just named themselves that. So that's weak. <laughs> okay. Excellent. I have one well, more thing, Peter. Let me just throw in Wait, uh, no, hold little... on. Before we do anything. No, no, no. Now's a really good opportunity since you're going to start doing running some crap on uh, Premier League clubs. Where no. does Buzz stand on the new ownership group of his mm. favorite club, Newcastle United? Yes. Well, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> let me just say that while I certainly do not like any of the human rights stuff, I, when you when you marry yourself to a club, you marry yourself to a club, good or bad. Just like I feel with FC Dallas. It's like if there's something I don't like about it, I just wait. And eventually it changes. And so my mentality is the lady who's the face of the ownership group is trying to buy the club for the third time, I think. And she went out and found some money. I don't care where the money came from. I'm happy she's buying the club. And Wait, I'm trying it's a to, nation state. Well, the money is, but she's the front. She's the face of the ownership group. Is this English lady? I don't know her name. So, Look, it's um, not Mike I'm, Ashley. That's what it matters. It's not Mike Ashley, and there's lots of horrible people that's monies are in the English Premier League, and and I'm gonna. I'm going to hope that the club that I like does some things to try and balance their karma, you know, but your club's your club. So I'm not, I'm not changing. All right. Cause I didn't, we, Andy and I wondered if you were going to file an appeal at the court. No, of, no, uh, no. All right. How many, uh, how many applications have you had from Chelsea fans to become a Liverpool fan out of interest? Uh, we have had none so far. Okay. Like I'm Pulisic sure. Is, uh, yeah. Give it a few weeks. Yeah. Well, they got Pulisic. They're not changing. Yeah. yeah my, Ch- my friends that are Chelsea fans seem really, really uh, stuck to that for one reason or another. So, poor souls. All right, well, all right. The thing I was going to interject, Peter, yes. was let oh, me sorry. take a let me take a minute to promote the Patreon. If you enjoy our podcast, anything else we do, patreoncom slash third degree. Give us some support. We could use the support, particularly in a time when my job is gone from COVID shutdown. So, um, you know, Wait, if you like on. what I we thought, do, I thought Kevin Lindstrom was your sugar daddy now. Kevin Lindstrom did a two-week thing where he matched all the contributions, which was great. I was really excited about that. But yeah. um, you know, it's you know that's not that doesn't mean that I couldn't use more support. I mean, we're, I'm a, I'm a self-employed freelancer, you know, so it's hard for me to do things like file for unemployment. But and I hate to be a beggy kind of person, but if you like what we do and you want to want us to continue doing what we do, now would be a great time to support us. And we that's do spend saying. many, 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 many hours currently on Zoom calls doing this. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Well, hopefully someday soon we get to get back together and go watch a good old-fashioned soccer game uh, as, as a trio once again. But I guess for now we're just stuck doing it this way. And complain well, about right. the press box food. Mid-July, North Texas Soccer Club will be back playing at uh, Globe Life Park. That's a long way. That's Harlan. Yeah. That's well, what? It's like five minutes from my house. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's in the middle of nowhere. 
How did you pronounce the city they're going to play in? Arlington. Uh, I don't pronounce T's. I'm from Luton. <laughs> <laughs> Which has a T in the name. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's why we don't pronounce it. All right. Well, thank you both. I appreciate your time. It's good speaking with you guys again. It's fun talking about our club. It's, uh, um, I'm excited to see this thing start back up, no matter if it is just a giant crap shoot. It'll, it'll be uh, fun to watch, no doubt about it. Yes. As they keep saying, right, whoever runs the hardest and trains the hardest probably going to end up uh, getting somewhere up there. And like that crap shoot. Absolute crap. Well, thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. We will speak to you next week on another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Thomas Roberts.